Welcome back to episode 19 of the Brain Food Podcast. It's been a while, but I am back with a stellar and spectacular guest who I'm so lucky to call one of my friends, Ellen Amico. I met Ellen my freshman year living in my sorority house at UCLA and immediately knew we had similar interests when we would chat about some of the nutrition and health-related books we both were reading. Ellen graduated from UCLA with a bachelor's in psychobiology and minor in food studies and is now attending USC to pursue her master's of science in nutrition, health span, and longevity. After both struggling with one herself and working at an eating disorder treatment center in Beverly Hills, Ellen has incredible advice to share on how to find a healthy balance of those healthy habits and nutrition in our everyday lives. We cover all things from personal journeys and mindset switches to breaking down seemingly complex habit, healthy habits to simple steps to make them long lasting. Okay. Welcome to the podcast, Ellen. I'm so, so excited to have you here. I think this will be really fun. I feel like I'm just having a normal conversation with a friend. So before we jump into the questions, I'll let yourself, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Ellen. Um, I know Isha from UCLA. So uh, I just graduated from UCLA. I did a minor in food studies, major in psychobiology. Um, and now I'm going to USC actually for graduate school to get my master's in nutrition, health span, and longevity. And it's a two-year program. So I'm going to become a registered dietitian after. Um, and I originally came into UCLA pre-med, but I decided to change my career path junior year to become a dietitian instead. Um, and I've always had like an interest in nutrition and like fitness and stuff. And I'm also like a yoga instructor. So um, it's always been a part of my life, but now I'm pursuing it as a career instead. Amazing. Could you elaborate upon what made you kind of first get interested in nutrition and fitness? Yeah. Um, I think just as like around like freshman year of high school, I would say I just kind of started to notice more about like what I was eating. And I think also like just on social media, it was like an era where um, like the fitness, like Instagram started and people were sharing a lot about like their health and stuff. And there's a lot of like diet trends going around. So I think I was just influenced by that stuff that I saw on social media. So I started to think more about, um, like what I was eating and like took more into account, like my health and stuff. Um, and I also started like working out outside of sports at school. Um, but then I think that kind of turned into, really disordered eating habits and then like progressed into a full eating disorder. And I think that experience is what really made me, um, realize like, this is something that I want to pursue now that I'm in a completely different place and and recovered. And I want to help people, you know, fix their relationship with food and, um, get to a really healthy point because I think it's really hard in today's society, especially when we're still getting fed all all of these messages from social media about what we should and shouldn't be eating and what we should be doing with our bodies. So, yeah. Totally. Do you feel that having like a lot of that exposure to those kind of toxic trends came from social media or was there anything else, like anything people would talk about or say that kind of led on to this, like the progression of it? I think, I think for me, a lot of it did come from, social media. Um, I'm very fortunate to have parents who, who like never dieted. Like I live, I grew up in a household with like very like normal relationships with food. And so there's never any talks of like going on a diet or losing weight. So that was definitely not like an influence for me. I know for other people, they did grow up in an environment like that and that can definitely influence them. So I think for me, it was more just a lot of stuff I'd saw on social media. A lot of those like influencers that 
appear to have like the perfect body. And as a young girl, you know, you really want to fit in and, and feel pretty. And I think um, I, I grew up as a very like tall, thin girl naturally anyway. So I didn't need to change my body at all. And I shouldn't have like in any way or tried to manipulate it in any way. Um, but I think I saw like, I always get compliments from other people about like how skinny I was or whatever. And for a while, I didn't really think about it. I'm like, well, this is just my body. And I felt like I didn't like exactly being like super skinny at first, but then I kind of started to attribute my value and my self-worth to my body because of all the comments that I got. And so I think that also played a role in, um, you know, how this progressed. So definitely just a combination of, I think, social media and just, you know, comments from other people, which people don't realize that, or they think they're complimenting you, but in, at the end of the day, it's like, you never know how that compliment's going to go. Totally. Totally fun. agree with that. So you, you kind of like touched on this, but from a personal standpoint, how do you feel like your mindset around the concept of nutrition has changed before you like, say we're in high school and you kind of were just having the only exposure you had to nutrition was through social media. Whereas now you're obviously going to a very accredited um, institution for this specific thing so how do you feel like your whole like just mindset knowledge about it has changed um yeah I I think you know growing up I was exposed to a lot of these lies from diet culture essentially about um what I should and shouldn't be eating like for example cutting out as many carbs as possible like swapping snacks for lower calorie things i saw like people doing super intense workouts or like, you know, only eating fruits and vegetables, like all of these like random diets that were on like Instagram and, and YouTube. And I think also like, I definitely fell into the trap of that myth of like, Oh, we should only be consuming like 1200 calories a day or something. Like that's a common number that's touted around not to like, you know, trigger anyone, but that's just something that I feel like was promoted a lot. Um, and so I definitely fell into that trap of believing those things. Cause I didn't have any, um, like idea of what I should be eating and how I should feel my body. Um, and then going into now, obviously I still have a lot to learn just because I didn't have an undergraduate degree in nutrition. Cause that's not something that UCLA offers at this time, but from based on my minor and just my own research that I've done in my work and my experience, um, I feel like I am now a lot I have a lot easier of a time distinguishing when something is like scientifically backed versus something that's like just diet culture or someone just trying to sell a product or something. Um, That's definitely easier for me to navigate on social media when I'm like, oh, this is something that I might want to actually incorporate into my routine rather than like some random powder that someone's just like promoting to help you lose weight or whatever, for example. And then also the other, like the major thing I think for me is that now I have a much more holistic approach to nutrition. Um, and I understand that like everything has a place in our, in our diet. Like it can be a nutrient dense food or just something that's more of like a fun food that we like to eat every now and then. And for me, like balance and moderation, which we hear a lot, like those are really key and really important to having a good relationship with food. And, you know, what works for me might not work for somebody else. And everybody has different needs. And I think, you know, especially as women, we are encouraged to be really the smallest we can be and, and to be like petite and tiny, for example, but especially for women, like we probably need more food than we realize, Mm -hmm. um, that we're led to believe. And so it's, you know, it's just really important to 
really be fueling our bodies because otherwise we're not going to be able to perform at our, at our best. Totally. Food is fuel and it's so, so underrated. So I love the transitions we're going into this because it's perfectly segueing. Um, okay. Before we jump into just your journey in general, can you kind of talk about your extensive work with eating disorders? So I'm sure that you have a very well-defined idea on what it is and what differs or what makes an eating disorder different from other kinds of habits. And I know in today's culture, there's a lot of labels that are just thrown around. So to avoid taking away from the severity of what an eating disorder actually is, could you provide kind of a loose definition or an outline of what it is? Yes. So an eating disorder is a mental and physical illness that can affect anybody of any size or, or gender. Um, and there are a lot of different kinds. I think the main like three that we often see or often hear about are anorexia, bulimia, and binge eating disorder, but there's also orthorexia, ARFID, and OFSED, which are tend to be, you know, not as widely diagnosed, but those are like the, the main ones that we see. Um, and when diagnosing an eating disorder, often there's the criteria that's used in the DSM-5, which is that manual that like psychologists and physicians use to diagnose mental health um, disorders. But in my case, I was never diagnosed officially with a disorder just because I was really too ashamed to seek professional help. Um, but I kind of just knew and like looking at the criteria later on, I kind of just knew that I was sick. Um, and then, but once I finally spoke to someone about my habits, they reaffirmed this feeling. And this is not to say that like, you know, if you have an eating disorder, you need to be diagnosed officially. It's great to receive a professional diagnosis rather than self-diagnosing, but, you know, do not feel like you need to get that before you seek out help to, to recover. Um, and like, if you feel like something's wrong with the way that you view you that that's, that's valid enough. Like the common issue I think with eating disorders is that people feel, especially now, because it is so common, like you're saying, and it's talked about a lot in media, like people do not feel like they're sick enough to seek help, but that's never the case. If you feel like you have an issue, you're more than valid, valid to talk about it. Um, but eating disorders are very complex. Um, especially after working in a treatment center with all these patients, I saw just a really wide variety of how it plays out in someone's body. And even though two people might have anorexia, the way it um, operates in their body and the reasons behind why they have this diagnosis are completely different. Um, and so the intention with an eating disorder can really vary. For some people, it might start off as just like wanting to lose weight or not being satisfied with your body image, which is kind of what it was for me. But it can also stem from like trauma, the family environment you grew up in, if you have a history of dieting, and it's really just a combination of all of these um, biological, psychological, and sociocultural issues. And it also, I think, kind of has to do with, you know, being able to have control over something, or if you if you tend to be a perfectionist, I feel like this is, it's more common to have an eating disorder um, yes. when you have those tendencies. And then I think the other thing uh, I feel like, especially now, like we're seeing a lot of just talk about eating disorders online or pro eating disorder content, especially on TikTok, which is honestly really concerning. Um, and I don't think people realize like how, uh, I think how captivating or how it completely like consumes you really. Um, like an eating disorder just com completely assumes you and your mind. Um, and it's not like something fun or like 
you know, quirky to have. It's, it's really, <laughs> it's really scary. It's, it's, it completely takes over your body. Um, and like on the outside, you might com- appear to be a, a completely normal functioning person, but on the inside, like your thoughts are often occupied by what you ate today or what you ate yesterday, or, you know, planning out your meals, calories, et cetera. Like it's just this complete control around food and often exercise as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a very serious disorder has a very high mortality rate, unfortunately, just because of the physical implications that have that, um, go along with it. So yeah, it's tends to be misunderstood because of the stereotypes that we see on social media, but again, anybody can have an eating disorder. It does not mat- matter if you're in a smaller body, a larger body, if you are a teenage girl, which is often the stereotype you see, or if you're a male, because they also have eating disorders and it's not talked about enough, especially for men. So yeah. Thank you for that. I think that that was so needed. I feel like a lot of that goes unsaid when people talk about eating disorders, especially with social media and TikTok, especially there's so many videos that just obviously the makers of TikTok know the algorithm. They know what's going to be captivating. And it's sad that those are the things that like get so many views and you just get addicted to it. You keep scrolling, you keep seeing the same of that same like trend and those kind of eating disordered related content. And then it starts to just get into your head and we don't even know it. And it's so, so widespread. So I think you're so right about that. Yeah. It's definitely really unfortunate. And also like, I think also with a lot of like the, what I eat in a day content or just food content in general on, um, social media, they're definitely, I think people tend to get, you know, not maybe confused, not the right word, but just don't misunderstand really the, um, difference between like disordered eating and an eating disorder. Um, and because like diet culture is so deeply woven into our society, it can be hard to dis- distinguish those two. Like, for example, if we look at what I eat in a day from somebody, someone might think there might be comments on the video, if things like don't look per se, nor- like quote unquote normal, yeah. people might, you know, say in the comments, like, oh my God, they have an eating disorder, but it might not be because disordered eating can be having like a few habits or rules around food, but like it generally doesn't interfere with your life that much, but an eating disorder is like when this progresses into an obsession and when you're engaging in these behaviors very often. Um, and this is pointing to an eating disorder. Like when it becomes just really hard to live your life normally and you struggle to like go out to eat with people, for example, or you're avoiding social situations that points to an eating disorder rather than disordered eating. But again, you can't diagnose anybody from social media. It's, you don't never know what someone's actually doing on the, um, you know, off the camera. Of course it's the intention behind and the mindset. Yeah. So I know you mentioned you struggled with an eating disorder in your life as well. How did you feel like your relationship and your relationship with food, your mindset, and like your intentions changed over time, especially now looking in hindsight, what do you feel has changed? Yeah. Um, so I can kind of give like a overview of, I guess the progression of how my eating disorder started and and what, how it progressed. Um, so I think, like I said, I, I took an interest in my health around freshman year of high school, but I also like loved like trying new foods. And I just like, was a very, a very active kid. So it was never, it wasn't very toxic at that point at all. But then around junior year of high school, um, I became more preoccupied with, with my weight and, you know, just what I was eating. Um, I remember like I stepped on the scale after a summer of like traveling and whatever. Um, and I noticed that I 
gain some weight. So I decided like, oh, I maybe should just, I should just watch what I eat and like eat cleaner, you know, for example, that's a word that's often used. Um, but you know, looking back, it's probably weight that I needed to gain or weights that I put on naturally since I was still like growing. I wasn't, I was only a junior in high school. I wasn't fully grown yet. Um, but then this unfortunately spun out into a full blown eating disorder. Eventually I was counting my calories with an app and I started to get meals because I thought that's what I should be doing. I should be eating less. Um, I also learned about intermittent fasting and followed that for a while, which, you know, that has like some research behind it, but I don't think I was using it in the way that it's like, that it should be used. Um, Mm -hmm. I was using it to like, as an excuse for my eating disorder. Um, and then I also worked out every day, like pretty obsessively, no matter much, like no, but no matter how much I worked out, I would still, you know, restrict my food. Um, and then by senior year of high school, I was really struggling and I had entered like a severe binge restrict cycle. Like I would just end up eating a lot at night and often in secret because I, again, I was so ashamed of, you know, my, like my body and my habits of food. And I couldn't, I just, I felt so out of control. I couldn't figure it out. Um, and you know, because I was depriving myself all day essentially, and then at night I like couldn't take it anymore. And I would just eat because my body was so starved. Um, so this kind of like binge restrict cycle continued throughout the year. And then towards the end of high school, I I really tried to, you know, just mainly restrict again because I had like spring break and prom and all these events. And I wanted to look good, but my body was hitting this breaking point and it became harder and harder to do this. And then come college, I had tried to fix my relationship with food the summer before, but I was still really struggling with it. And I definitely had not fixed it as much as as I would have liked. And I still had a very toxic mindset around food and disordered habits. So I think it just got worse again because I was on my own. And I think this is a really common experience for a lot of people to have in college. Um, and especially cause we're on our own for the first time is the dining hall is in like an unlimited amount of food. And yes. also like we're going out and stuff and, you know, we're like drinking a lot oh, and like, set, yes. like, yeah. Yes. And like, all like the late night, like whatever with our friends, like eating. Right. So, <laughs> it, it was so like fun. Um, and like, uh, like looking back, I did have a lot of fun, but I also just still felt so out of control around food. And I still had all those really like bad, bad thoughts around food. Um, and so, you know, on the outside, I was like, oh, I'm having fun. But on the inside, like I was really struggling mentally. And then um, everything kind of came to a head when the pandemic hit. Um, so I came home from school and I had gained weight, like most people do during a freshman year again with all the social stuff and going mm-hmm. out. And so, which honestly is like totally okay. And I think that because it's so normal, it's just like, you should be having fun with your friends. Like you should never learn to like about the freshman 15. Like that's just, it's your body's going to figure, figure itself out. Exactly. You'll never get that year back in your life. Yes. It's the memories were, were always worth it. But again, so I, I gained that weight. I came back from school at home and I fell right back into those restrictive habits again, um, like calorie counting, things like that. And then I fell back into that binge restrict cycle as well. Um, but it was harder this time to hide like my habits and stuff from my family since we're all in the house together and we weren't really leaving. Um, and so eventually my mom kind of like confronted me about my habits and I just like completely broke down. I realized that I, I needed help. And I, like, I did not want to be stuck in a cycle forever. At this point I was like, 
so mentally exhausted by this like constant battle inside my head about my eating and my body and my weight and all this stuff. Like it was just a constant stream of toxic thoughts and just beating myself up and just trying to have all this control. And it'd been like three to four years of, of that at this point. Um, and like I, so this is, you know, like I said, this is how an eating disorder just completely takes over your mind. It's just incredibly exhausting. So going into the pandemic, this was like the time for me to, it honestly gave me the time to throw myself into recovery and learn about intuitive eating, which is the mind, like the lifestyle that I follow now. Um, and so I'm actually very grateful that I had this extra free time to, to do this. And I listened to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot about intuitive eating. I watched videos about recovery from eating disorders. Um, and you know, just consumed a lot of that content. And so I tried to understand the mechanism behind eating disorders and I had to relearn how to eat mindfully and have, you know, a more normal relationship with food. And it took a while to break my old habits. So by the time I was going back to UCLA for CSESH the next summer or this, the summer coming after freshman year, I felt completely different and like, so, so much better. I felt like I was finally at peace with my body and, and more so with food. And then coming, you know, into sophomore year of college after that summer, it still was a learning process. And especially, you know, going back to college, I think being on my own again and trying to like fit in my new like mindset with, you know, other people and social events and whatever. So it's still a learning process. And I was, um, there's periods where I felt really good and I felt like I was doing a, a great job. And then other times where I fell back into some old habits, just because that can happen sometimes. And, you know, that's okay. But before going to, going to study abroad in junior year, I decided that I didn't like, I was done with all of this. I did not want any food rules or any disordered eating habits. Not that I had that many left at that point. I just wanted to be completely free so that I could enjoy my study abroad. And so when I went to Europe, I just had complete food freedom, allowed myself to try all the foods, eat whatever I wanted. Um, and I'm so happy that I did because I think, you know, traveling and if you're traveling and you're going to restrict yourself, like it's just not fun. And I look back on that time now where I'm like, I'm so happy that I just didn't care. And I think about all the fun dinners I have with my friends and all the foods that we get to try when we were traveling. Um, and then when I got back from that, I didn't really restrict in any way, honestly. And I just got back into a routine and just like my normal healthy habits that I had at school. And then now this past senior year and now post-grad, um, I'm just at a point where I feel like really in tune with my body and I don't have any rules around food. I'm, you know, I just, I feel like I'm really at a point where I do feel so intuitive with how I eat and I just really listen and trust my body. And of course there's times where I'm not perfect or, you know, I overeat or I forgot to eat until later in the day, like no one's perfect and that's totally fine. But, you know, from time to time, like old thoughts will creep up in my head, but I kind of believe that you're never like fully recovered from an eating disorder. And that piece of brain, that piece of your brain is like always there, but the voice just gets quieter and quieter. So that voice now for me, is just very quiet. And if those thoughts do come up, like I know how to kind yeah. of like talk back to them essentially and, <laughs> and just stick with my, with my habits that I have now, but yeah, so I'm, I'm very grateful to have gone through that whole experience and it obviously has, you know, influenced my career choice, but yeah, I'm just grateful to be in a really good place with food now. And I would never 
ever want to go back to that, um, to, to my eating disorder and how I was in high school. Wow. Thank you so much. That was so just, thank you for opening up about all of that. I'm sure that someone out there who's listening to this, you helped so much. That's an incredible story. And I feel like even just your journey about how you're able to kind of talk back to those thoughts. I really like that idea. I feel like that goes with anything in life, like even any kind of like self-sabotaging thoughts or just like anything that you bring yourself down with. I love that you kind of talk back to them and just tell it to kind of shut up essentially. So I guess my next question goes in like, like in connection with that, when you began to recover, how did you feel like your mindset started to change about food? Like when you saw, did you used to see food as like a number and then it started to become more of like a source of fuel? Yeah. Um, it's funny that you said you see food as a number. Cause honestly, like, <laughs> like when you, for, I think this is honestly true for a lot of people who like either have an eating disorder or had eating disorder in the past. Like you tend to memorize the calories of certain foods just because if you are like using like a, a tracker app, like it kind of just becomes in like in your brain. And honestly, like now that's not something I think about when I look at like a banana, for example, but in the past uh-huh. it'd be like, Oh, that's X amount of calories. Oh. Um, so it's a really weird, weird thing that has like transitioned into like regular life. But, uh-huh. um, yeah, so no longer, I think honestly, I saw food as the enemy, like not even numbers, just like it was an enemy, just something that I should not be, you know, consuming a lot or, you know, I shouldn't be enjoying it. That's, and which is really sad, honestly, mm-hmm. like, cause at heart, like I've always been a foodie. I love trying new restaurants. I love trying new foods and, you know, like the whole experience in itself. Yes. It's so much more than just the food. Yes. Like when I travel, I'm like, okay, like where are we eating dinner? Like I need to find the best restaurant. Right. Um, so I think I'm just happy that I now can like actually do that again and really just enjoy, enjoy life more. But I think in terms of my mindset, the, so like I mentioned, the main thing was intuitive eating for me. Um, and there are like 10 principles of intuitive eating. I will list all of them, but just some of the ones that, um, that are more relevant, maybe like honoring your hunger, making peace with food, rejecting the diet mentality, respecting fullness, um, and like the satisfaction factor. Those are some of the principles of intuitive eating. And so, um, there's, it's, uh, essentially, I guess a way of eating, but it's not like a diet or anything like that. It's really just more about coming back into trusting your body and kind of going back to that natural mindful way of eating. Um, and so I had to like relearn my hunger and fullness cues because, um, if you're restricting a lot or just, you know, having disordered habits with food, you kind of are ignoring your hunger cues, for example, if you're trying to restrict or, if you are dealing with a binging, binging disorder, like you're ignoring those fullness cues. And so after a while, your body just, you kind of lose those hunger and fullness cues. And this is also something that we often see with eating disorder patients. And, um, I remember talking to them about these type of things and like how to, you know, honor your hunger and, and honor your fullness. And they were like, well, I don't, I don't have hunger or fullness cues. And I'm like, yeah, I, it makes sense. I was, I was there. Um, but yeah, so I did relearn that. And a lot of times it's more just about like having a set schedule of eating at first, like if you are recovering from these habits, like you kind of just have to have a set schedule of eating, like, you know, maybe three meals a day, a couple snacks, whatever. And then over time, your body will like relearn these cues. And so I had to do that. 
and just kind of put myself on a set eating schedule. And it was really scary because I felt like I was eating so much, but I was like, I knew that I need to do this. Um, and I, I kind of put like my body image, or at least I tried to on the back burner. And I was like, I need to like figure my body out before I, you know, and it was hard because when you're gaining weight like that, it, it was really tough. And especially I think for me, because I had tied my self-worth to my body for so long, especially as a teenager, like trying to let go of that was really tough. Um, so definitely like the intuitive eating aspect comes a lot into play with your body image. Um, and then also some other things that I did, um, I had to, I kind of understood like the mechanism behind like the binge restrict cycle. And so I understood that like the reason I was like overeating so much was because of my severe restriction that I was doing throughout the day. And it took me so long to understand that. And I, and then it finally clicked one day and I was like, okay, like this makes so much sense. Like I'm not eating throughout the day. No wonder I'm so hungry at night and I can't stop eating. Um, and so again, like having that set schedule really helped me like get rid of, um, that cycle as well and help me get out of that cycle. Um, and then a few other things that I did, I also like unlearned my food rules and I stopped cutting things out of my diet. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me, especially because I had like been influenced by the intermittent fasting, um, community, if you will, the biggest thing for me was like allowing myself to eat when I'm hungry rather than waiting until a certain time to eat. Like I would try and push off eating for as long as possible, but now it's like, okay, if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat at 10, you know? Yeah. Um, and I learned that like my body needs food in order to function properly. Like I was always so tired, um, when I was restricting and like, now I feel like so energized throughout the day and I can do so many things that I don't have to rely on like coffee or any energy drinks to get me through the day. I still love coffee. So I, (laughs) but, um, like I'm not relying on those like external energy sources because I just feel so much more like clear headed. Like there's no more mental fog, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And yeah, I really just was like, I, you know, I need to be eating in order to feel my body properly. And once I started feeling myself properly, I noticed a massive difference. And I was like, wow, I can't believe I've been feeling like awful this whole time. And now that I'm actually eating, I feel great. Um, and so that was just a huge difference that I noticed as well. And I think like the, the last thing that was, you know, important for me was healing my relationship with exercise as well. Um, and I think, you know, exercise and eating goes kind of hand in hand for me, at least in my eating disorder, not for everybody, but for me it did. And the issue I think for me was that I, I always have loved exercising and working out. Um, but it became like more of like compulsory or like a punishment, especially when I overeat, for example. But now I found movement that I like really enjoyed and I still work out almost every day, but it's because I feel like it's crucial for my mental health and it makes me feel really good, but I also like exercise intuitively as well. So if I'm feeling tired one day, then I'm not going to push myself or I'll find some more like gentle movement. And so I really listen to how I'm feeling. I love that. I think intuitive everything is so important and being in tune with your own body is just an incomparable feeling. And it really does change the way you just look at life, go about life, your habits and everything. So with that being said, how do you feel like your, like your, I guess, just what you learn and how everything that you 
have just been talking about has been influenced by your work. So I know you said you worked with, uh, or sorry, at an eating disorder treatment center. What do you feel like you learned from that? And what do you feel like it has helped, if at all, helped you in your own recovery, like moving forward with life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, yeah. So I spent about the last year or so working at an eating disorder treatment center in LA. Um, so I was working in it as a diet tech. And so the main role was to like check the meals of our patients based on their like own personal meal plans. And then I would sit and eat with them. And then I made sure to, you know, we kind of kept the meals like fun and lighthearted just because it can be a tough, you know, hour or so for the patients. Um, and then also I would support the patients if they were having a hard time finishing a meal. Um, and I think the part where my own recovery kind of came into this role was when I led the weekly intuitive eating groups. And this was like my favorite, like part of my job, I think. Um, and I felt really connected to this topic because again, it was the way that I recovered. So, so easy for me to talk about with them. Um, and I would usually pick like one of the principles each week and discuss it in some way and kind of just open up the floor for discussion for them. And the feedback that I received from them was always so heartwarming and it made me feel like really validated in my work and what I, what I was doing. Um, and I think, you know, that is, the, the relationships that I built with the patients really just affirmed for me, like I'm on the right career path. And I felt so grateful every day I walked out of there. Cause I felt like I was making, um, a difference. And then in terms of like my own recovery as well, like I, I, because I, because I had an eating disorder, I felt like there was a lot of things that I already knew because I personally experienced it myself, but uh-huh. reading it is like a whole different, um, ballpark, like learning how to listen to patients and support them, preventing them from engaging in behaviors and keeping patients safe and like meeting different conflict situations. Like those were all really valuable lessons to learn at my job. And just also like, we had to be really aware of how people can be triggered by different things and you know, being really careful with your words and your actions around others. Like I had to learn how to be a role model and practice what I preached, but because I had to do that, I like this job made me realize like how far I had come in my relationship with food and like how I just never wanted to go back to that place with uh, my eating disorder. And, um, I feel like helping people recover and fix the relationship with food is like how I want to pay it back and kind of, I guess, come full circle in a way, but in a way that I'm giving back to a community and giving back to people. Um, so yeah, this, the job was extremely valuable and I think gave me a lot of really great lessons that I will take into my future career and into grad school as well. Incredible. I think that's such a, that sounds like such an incredible opportunity experience you've had. And I feel like even just learning anything from that experience is something I would love to have done too. So it's amazing. And coming to the end, like kind of more wrap up questions. This is a kind of a deep one, but what advice would you have given your high school self? Um, I think, I, I feel like, especially for me during high school, I was so like set in my ways. I was like, I'm going to be a surgeon and be this doctor and all this stuff. And I would tell myself now, like you might know exactly what you think you want to do with your life, but that's probably going to change. And that's really okay. <laughs> um, giving yourself opportunities to consider other things is 
awesome. And you should be open to looking at other things, especially in places like college where there's like such a wide variety of classes to take and just meeting people and, um, you know, being open to all these other perspectives. And then I think more also something really important for me personally is like finding that balance between working hard and making memories with your friends and like, everything's going to work out. Everything happens for a reason, like trusting the universe and the path that it puts you on. And just, you know, it's great to get good grades, but also just like living life to the fullest. And I think the last thing that I honestly think applies to me now, just not in high school, but like, as long as you're driven and you're passionate, like no matter what you choose to do, like you're going to succeed. And I think for me, like before I was focused on like making money and I was like, oh, I can make a lot of money if I'm a doctor, but money isn't everything. Like being happy in your career and in your life is the most important thing. I never said it better. Absolutely love it. You answered my last question too. It was just going to be if there's any advice for listeners out there, but you said it all. Thank you so much for your time today. And just, I learned so much just talking to you. This was incredible. I felt like we were just chatting. So thank you for your time. And thank you so much for having me. Learned a lot too. If you love this episode and learned as much as I did, please be sure to give it a rating and follow at Isha's underscore brain food on Instagram. Stay updated with new episodes, new guests, and other fun posts. That's it for this episode. Don't forget to feed your brain, soul, and gut, and I will see you all next time.